Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. In this podcast, we talk about the defeat to Chelsea, the win against Birmingham, and answer your podcast questions. This is the Bora Breakdown Podcast, and this is our Bora Match Day Chatter in the pot. Want support. Curtis Fleming is there on the edge of the air. Fleming for That's Craig it. Hignett. Hit it, Higgy. Higgy hits the track. Avanelli coming alive again. Janino wants the ball played to him. Avanelli spots out. Hello and welcome to the Board Breakdown Podcast with Johnny, Dana and Tom. We are the Board Podcast that gives you all of Board Match Day chatter in a podcast. And well, a win against Birmingham and a defeat to Chelsea saw Borough bow out to the FA Cup. Guys, it wasn't meant to be, um, but how? tell me how you're feeling in as many words as you want. Dana, do you want to go first? Yeah, I think there's just a, an overriding sense of pride, to be honest. This FA Cup journey has brought about memories that will stick with me for the rest of my life. And it was definitely more than I could have ever expected. And the run that we've had has been magnificent, even starting at Mansfield, obviously a League Two side, but they were on a fantastic run. And even long after we played them, they were still on a on a really good run. It was only last weekend that they finally got beaten beating Manchester United or Trafford on penalties is is just brilliant within itself really and then beating Spurs what an atmosphere that was uh, against Tottenham on that night it was a very very special night under the lights of the Riverside and yeah it was a it was a step too far for us against Chelsea but we've I mean we can be so proud of our club and so excited for the future as well because in every game we competed and we showed what what we're capable of and what we can do. Yeah, so so proud and for the future as well, and absolutely, Dan. I was really impressed with with Borat Town yesterday. Um, Tom, how are you feeling? As many words as you want. Yeah, kind of similar. I think it's always kind of natural to feel a little bit disappointed after losing the game or going out with a, a cup. But the overriding sense there's pride with with how we played yesterday. Um, you know, I mean, quality shone through for for Chelsea absolutely but uh, there, there were times when you know some of our player like we, we were just getting around them and they couldn't cope with it um and and it, it's just good to say like it was only spells there's an often kind of there kind of saying we we could have matched them or anything like that but there, there were definitely encouraging signs throughout that game and yeah just what it, it is an achievement getting to the, the quarterfinals and and the way we've done it in terms of uh you know, knocking uh, United out at Old Trafford, um, 
you know, Spurs in, in the manner we did. And, you know, we made them look, uh, you know, pretty average on that night. Um, you know, if you'd have looked at that game as unusual, you wouldn't have been able to tell who was the Premier League team and who was championship team. Like, it, it's been a great run. Um, you know, slightly disappointed to see it end, but you can just be proud of what we did during it. Yeah, I mean, who wants to go to Wembley twice or three times in one season? Anyway, you know, we we don't really need we don't really need that. But I agree with you both. I think there's a lot of uh, of pride um, coming out of the the FA Cup FA Cup run this season. There's a lot of really good stories and heart heartwarming stuff that's happened. Sol Bamba, you know, coming on and, and taking a penalty at Man United. His performance yesterday was superb when he came on, um, and that's like that's a lovely story. You know, you've, you've seen the. The, the FA Cup upset against Spurs at the Riverside where Josh Corburn comes on, a young kid who Bora picked up from Sunderland and uh, he's came and scored the winner and he's he's kind of kicked, not fully kick-started his career, but like everyone was talking and talking about him and seeing more and more in this team. Um, there's just some great memories, I think, you know, as, as I Jones when he played the ball back um, in, in, the, in the game against Mansfield and we ended up winning, we could have wobbled and, and Boyd Munn scored in his debut. So many good memories and a lot to be proud of. But let's talk about Chelsea then, where Borough welcomed the world champions to the to the Riverside. Um, Dan, what was your thoughts on the game? Because uh, quality shone through in the end. It is. And I think my disappointment has grown overnight, to be honest. And Chris Wilder said after the game that we weren't a million miles away, but at the same time we were. And I think that probably amplifies that disappointment that we did play some really good stuff and I thought we got in a few times and obviously five shots on on goal zero on target that's disappointing but I thought we had a lot of chances to create more than that and I think that's where the disappointment comes from and obviously what Wilder said there we're not a million miles off it it was just that final bit in the final third that I feel like I've been saying and and kind of um my Xbox keeps turning on. I'm sorry about that. Um, I've kind of been speaking about it since I've been in the womb, it feels like. And, I, I, you know, we just need that extra bit. And, and that's what really shone through in the end for Chelsea. They had it, we didn't. And, um, yeah, but as I said, I think we battled hard. We competed well. And, you know, it was one of those games where in the past when we've come up against sides like that, we've kind of sat back and just tried to hit them on the counter. We never did that. And I think that's something to definitely take as, as a big positive out of the game. Yeah, and I think what you're saying there about like being not million a million miles away, that 1% difference doesn't seem much in football, but it actually is huge um, when you see it. And we've got it in, in Balogun's goal a little bit later on where we break, I'm going to break down like that 1% difference or what could have been done differently to stop that happening or the goal that's, that's broke down. But Tom, what were your thoughts and assessments of the game? Is there anything else that you picked up from in terms of like the quality or is there anything Borough could have improved on? No, I, I agree with Dana that it was mainly the final third. Um, you know, I mean, their final third, it, it did have that that extra bit of quality. Uh, we saw that in the in the lead up to the the first goal, just the pace of of, of Mason Mount um, to to kind of get past McNair in the first place on that on that right hand side. I mean, even even going back on that, the, the fact that we kind of got sucked in on the press uh, higher up the pitch, they would just manage to pass out. And get it into that position for the the low cross of face across the face of goal anyway was uh, was good play from them. From the way they play out from the back is probably the way us and other kind of possession team uh, based teams would aspire to do. Um, 
mm-hmm. you know, go, going forward, we did play some good stuff. We had some good uh, link-ups on the right-hand side between Dykesdale, Crooks and, and Jones. We were getting in the similar positions, which would have worked in, in the championship, I think, but just the, the last delivery wasn't there or like if it, if it did go across it was it was just kind of too far past people um obviously we had those five five shots but it, it seemed kind of most of them were were blazed over the bar and we were we were kept to those kind of low quality ones up from outside the box yeah um and i think just adding to that as well i think when when you look at like the quality of, of this of this chelsea side as well and how well drilled and well uh, well oiled machine they are under the i think it's just like when I was watching Thiago Silva and Rudiger yesterday, like the co- I think the kit men must love Thiago Silva because I don't think I've ever seen him make a slide tackle or get mud on his boots. His just positional play is so so good. Um, and obviously when we've got the likes of Connolly and Balogun up front, two young strikers, and you come up against someone who's such a high quality of that, you can't really expect too much uh, from them. But I thought they the played relatively okay. I thought Josh when he came on was really good. What more uh, caused a lot of problems as well. Um, but I think when you watch sides like Chelsea and you can see why the world champions, because the way they move off the ball and how the position, the shape, it's all really, really good. And I, I really like seeing these sides live. I think you can see a different dynamic um, to how they play and appreciate a little bit more. Um, but in terms of the game tactically, Dana, what would appreciate there's a lot of quality and, you know, that's going to probably help a lot of things. But what did they do tactically, Chelsea, to, to nullify Borough's threat? Well, it definitely helps that they've got defenders that can read the game like a children's book. I, I agree with what you said about Thiago Silva. I think him, Rudiger and uh, Cesar Aspilicueta are just fantastic defenders, really. The reading of the game, Jermaine Gina said it on commentary, um, that not about the he played with Emerson. It was George, George Boateng. That's what he was meaning, you know. That's bad, bad, isn't it? What a treat that was. Um did he say that on the commentary? Because obviously I'm. He said it I was didn't... Emerson. Yes, he said it. he remember coming. He, he came. Uh, obviously, we were at the game, so I've, I've watched it back and there. Um, he, he said that I remember coming at the Riverside and playing up against Emerson. What a player he was! <laughs> um, Emerson left in '98. Genius made the trip to Newcastle in 2003. Um, your favorite year, Turner. Um, <laughs> yeah, so what a gaff was, that is. It, it was George Borsang of all players. There you go. Anyway, be. What he said as well on commentary is that Thiago Silva can read a situation before it's even really played out in front of him. And, and that's exactly Thiago Silva, isn't it? He's just a fantastic defender. But Tuchel said after the game that he adapted to try to deal with Isaiah Jones. Now, I must be going crazy here. I'm not going to be hoodwinked by his, um, I guess, tactical spiel there because it didn't work it genuinely didn't work I thought their left-hand side was incredibly poor between Pulisic and and Saar I thought well incredibly poor is probably pushing it a little bit but it was definitely a a weak spot and we tried to exploit that we did get down that right-hand side quite a few times with Dyke Steele and Jones um and that's, I suppose that's where my disappointment comes from because we had opportunities to put good balls into the box and I think our final ball was just not there. <clears throat> there was a good uh, piece of defending though from Thiago Silva where he does read it. He, he reads it before um, the cross is really played into the box. I think that definitely helped. <clears throat> Excuse me. So, yeah, I think tactically they just, they, they definitely limited housing really I thought Ruben Loftus-Cheek was fantastic in the way that he was just kind of setting the tone of the game whenever Chelsea were building out from the back it was Ruben Loftus-Cheek that was really making it all kind of come to 
fruition. Kovacic was good as well, of course, but I thought Ruben Loftus-Cheek was probably the best player on the park, along with Mason Mount. It was just the ability to receive the ball and and turn with ease and then just get the, the player going. I thought he was fantastic in that. And and definitely a player that we can maybe look at and, and take pointers from that performance because, um, yeah, I think they nullified Housen, which was something that Tuchel wanted to do. And... I think Loftus Sheet was was able to pull the strings in midfield, which was which was a big big problem for Borough and a big part of Chelsea's game. Yeah, there's absolute levels to to this game. Um, but before I ask you about your favourite moment of of the cup run uh, this year, I want to just give you there was some downsides to the game um, yesterday. Uh, Paddy McNair, Dale Fry going off injured. How much of a miss do you think they will be in the coming weeks if if they don't come back after the international break? Well, Wilder said that um, he fucking loves Paddy right now, but also that... <laughs> <laughs> couldn't help myself there. Um, that it was a blow to his foot that the goalkeeper, I don't know whether that was Mendy or Lumley, um, stood on his foot and the swelling, well, hopefully the swelling isn't so bad that he's out for the Peterborough game. I think the um, international break has probably come at a good time for Borough, but if he is out, it's going to be a big mess because I said last week that between him and Dykesteel and Jones, there's three really important players for Borough and Dykesteel and, and McNair, they're so important because of the roles that they play and I suppose the players that come in to play instead of them just aren't as effective in that role. So if he is out, that's going to be a big miss. Fry, I think, similarly. But with Fry, I think when you put Bamber in there, to be fair, he has been good the past few cameos that he's had. But there's always something quite unnerving with Sol Bamber in the team. I don't know whether this is completely unsubstantiated or whether I'm just thinking about that slip against us when when he played for Leeds. But I do feel like he's got a little erratic moment in him. But to be fair, Sol Bamber is a defender and he will defend. And I thought he was excellent when he came on yesterday so if he's called upon I think he'll do do a good job but McNair will be a huge miss I think just to say you're not not going crazy I have that same feeling with uh, Bamba when he plays but there is games like yesterday where we'll be absolutely unstoppable and then there's uh, there has been other moments other than that slip when he was playing for Leeds where he's either slipped or like given the ball away or something for us like you still can't hold it against him because he's so bamba Yeah, it's cl- it's definitely clouded my uh, my memory of him somewhat. But I, I wonder if Mark Bowler is a left sided centre back is is potentially a shout. We've seen him play there before. Mm. Albeit, I think it was one game against Brentford in the cup, wasn't it? But I'm just thinking in terms of an attacking threat, potentially putting Mark Bowler there might be might be a shout. Mm. But I do think Bowler looks a little bit off it at the moment and probably needs a few more games to get fully up to speed. So I don't know. Yeah, he's had quite a lot of time out uh, as Mark Bowler and I think he will improve probably come the, come the end of the season. But Tom, Dana's alluded to it there around like Fry and McNair being on, but what do Borough get tactically with Bamber and Peltier coming in and what do we lose? Because there's probably a lot to gain in terms of experience, but tactically there could be something that Borough aren't as effective. Yeah, I think it's something we spoke about last week in terms of like the roles and responsibilities of certain players coming into the system and you know it, it might be more defensive with certain players. I do think that's the case when you bring Peltier in for McNair. Peltier is not going to be making the kind of runs forward that McNair can make. He's not going to bring the ball out of defence as much and, you know, 
there was that uh, moment against Birmingham where McNair pretty much dribbled through the entire team and had a, a, a shot like blazed over the bar, I think it was. Like it, it's it's not going to be like that with Pelty. I think he's going to be a, a lot more kind of defensive minded. Uh, same with Bamba, um, but he's in Fry's role anyway, so you'd kind of expect him to be back. Um, you know, we saw yesterday with him marking Lukaku how how strong uh, he is, uh, and and he can play out of the back as uh, as we saw a bit a bit later on. There was a, a great turn that he did just on the halfway line uh, to get out of trouble and then just play the ball out. But as we were saying uh, just now as well, there's always that uh, that worry with Bamba that he, he might do something and, and lose the ball. But um, you know, I think Bamba for Fry's kind of a a like for like change, and with Peltier and McNair, that's what you're going to get. You're just going to get more defensive minded with Peltier. Yeah, I agree. I think you can the experience that both of them have was was very very good. Like you could see that yesterday. I thought you know the you could the, the way they're reading the game, and and for me it, it looked like Fry just wasn't a hundred percent from the off. Really, I think that's what I thought maybe he's carrying something. Um, so we could have maybe started with Bamba early doors, and that could have potentially helped things. But it doesn't really matter now, um, and hopefully they're not too serious. But then on, on the other end of the pitch, um, Chris Wilder said in his in his post match presser on BBC T Sport, he said. Um, that Josh Corbin isn't a million miles away, and he's got a, he's given a food for thought. Um, I know on the on the last po- on the on the last podcast we have said that we shouldn't really rely on Josh Corbin to fire us up to the to the Premier League, but is it time for him to start? And I want to give a shout out to Ollie Moose because he's asked a similar question as well. Um, but do you think it's a it's it's time for him to start? You know what? I don't know what I personally said last podcast about Corbin, but. I kind of feel like the more the games tick over, the less reason I'm seeing to not play him or not start him. Mm. I think he's someone that's obviously growing. He's a young player. We need to be patient with him, of course. But I, I agree with 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 what Chris Wilder said that you know it's food for thought, and I think that to play him from the off, maybe alongside Watmore, you know, you have a runner and a finisher there. It might be a good dynamic. I don't think we've really seen that too much apart from obviously yesterday, but I think that might be a good dynamic to have just, you know, uh, Watmore stretching the defence. I think Corburn is a good finisher. And as I've said before, I think he's the best finisher at the club. That's not to say that he's going to finish all of his chances. I know he's got a good uh, goals to or shot to goal ratio. That probably isn't sustainable, but I do think that he's, He's a natural finisher, and that's something that's very hard to find. So, to be honest, I wouldn't be adverse to seeing it. There's been, we've had a lot of strike combinations. It might be unfair to to drop Balogun and Connolly. They did play well against Birmingham, and that was just the game prior to the Chelsea match. But I think for, for future, he's very much in the conversation. He's very much part of it. I, I would quite like to see him start. And, you know, Peterborough... Worst team in the league, but let's not underestimate them. Obviously, it's the championship. They do seem to be picking up a little bit under Grant McCann, but um, it might be a good opportunity to maybe test that or try that out. Okay. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. 
For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. And um, the final question on, on, on the Chelsea and the FA Cup run then. I must want to ask you what your favourite moment of the run was. Appreciate, like I said at the start of the show, we've we've done a lot of good things, a lot of good stories to tell. Um, yeah. I want to know what your favourite moment was. Um, Tom, do you want to go first on that one? I'm going to say when Alanga missed the penalty at Old Trafford. Um, just the, the atmosphere after that was was great. You know, we stood there for like a good solid five minutes or so, like just just applauding and and absolutely loving life afterwards. And you know, I, I think it was only a couple of hours at that point until until my birthday. So like, what what way to celebrate it? So yeah, I got I got to go with that one. The the Coburn goal was was definitely up there, but I think that just had a bit more meaning for me at the time. Okay, um, Dana, what are you going to go for? It's tough because they're both they're both the same type of moment for me. They mm. they invoke the same sort of feeling of just elation and joy. And um, I think just for the sake of being different, I'll say Josh Coburn against Spurs because the noise when that went in, it was coming, wasn't it? The way that we were playing, the way that we were dominating that game and, and competing in that match, it felt like a goal was coming. And then when it finally did... I think the roof just came off, didn't it? It was an unbelievable mm. moment where, and and for it to be Corburn as well, a young lad, brilliant, brilliant moment for him. And I think, I think we can take that as as, as a definite high. So yeah, Langan missing the penalty was was fantastic. Ronaldo missing his penalty in the first half at Old Trafford. At the time, I was thinking, well, if we don't do anything else in this game, at least I've got that. But Corburn against Spurs for me was 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 brilliant. Yeah. Um... 
I think there's, there's so many good moments in there. I think like the shit housery of the way we equalised against United as well, where it could have been a handball, it wasn't, and Crooksy scored against the team that he got released from. Um, we've got more obviously linking up as well. He got released from United too. Um, but yeah, I think I think Josh Corbin I think edges it, doesn't he? I think the the moment that his face when he hit, when it hits the back of the net and the way he celebrates, it's a it's a really really good cup run uh, to beat the teams we did. Um, with Mansfield, who were in really good form, and that was a difficult tie. You got you've beat United um, at Old Trafford, you've beat Spurs. Appreciate Spurs United. You know we're expected to beat those teams now because we're mint. Um, but Chelsea wise, yeah, it's a step too far. But we have a lot to be proud of. But let's move on to questions. And before we move into to the Birmingham breakdown, um, and then the first one is from Jez, um, and he says, "Where do we need to strengthen right now?" Obviously, we're not the best team in the world, uh, but where is the next spot that needs uh, needs changing to really advance our football? Um, Tom, do you want to take this one? Yeah, I, I think strikers. Um, I, I think the final third. I don't want to say let us, let us down a bit yesterday, but I, I think you can see we were we're lacking a bit of quality there. Um, and and past the end of the season as as, as well, uh, we've got to be looking at either. Uh, you know, loans coming back or, or replacing the the people who've gone. Obviously, we've still got like uh, Uche and Akpom to come back. Um, I fully expect they'll be moved on. Um, and I, I think strike is probably the uh, the glaringly um, of obvious place that needs addressing uh, in terms of just bringing people in for for next season. So I, I would say that. Okay, centre forwards then. Um, and next couple of questions. And it's still around like the striker situation. Um, Jordan did ask us, will we see Sparrow play again? Um, Tom, I'll stick with you. Do you think so? Yes? I think we no. will. Um, yeah. I, I think from, from what I've heard, um, I'm, I'm not I'm claiming to be kind of 100% clued up on the situation, but what from what I've heard, it was like personal issues uh, that has kept him out the last few games. He's back in Portugal for him or something. Um, you know, even from kind of judging what Wilder said in the press conference on BBC T's yesterday, he was still kind of talking about him like, oh, he wasn't with us today and uh, stuff like that. I, I can definitely see him playing for us again. Yeah, he was in the crowd yesterday. It was Andras Spora, um, but uh, yeah, apparently he has been back to, to Portugal. Um, but. Dana, I just want to—I want to give you the, this two-part then, because um, Jack and Mark have asked us questions around the striker situation, uh, and they're both concerned to see how it might potentially look uh, when the season is finished. Um, Jack asks, "Does the strike situation concern you once the season is finished?" Um, I, the law and strikers return to the clubs. Of course, we've got Josh Corburn and Duncan Watmore and Tuba Akpom as your centre forwards, um, and then Mark's asked. Uh, who would you like to see us sign next season? And the Coventry striker can never pronounce his name. Yokoresh. Um, Yokoresh. Um, probably still. I think Yokoresh. I always say Yokoresh. Yeah. It just sounds better to do the esh at the end, but I don't know if that's. Anyway, that striker. <laughs> that striker from Coventry, I'll call him uh, for now. Yeah, um, would you like tweet. to see, like to see him sign for Borough next season? So, who would you like? Yeah, are you concerned about the strike situation? Would you like us to see uh, bring in a striker next year? I'm not concerned, no, because I could actually see Balogun coming back next season. I can pretty much see Connolly the same. I feel like we are maybe bringing them in with a view to keeping them next season if that is Connolly potentially 
signing on a permanent deal. I'm not so sure. Probably less likely with Balogun, of course. I can see Balogun staying just for continuity purposes of his de- development, really. So I'm not too concerned. Obviously, I understand the the worries because, let's be honest, we have two contracted strikers to us of four, but probably going to be two with Uche and, and Akpom being moved on. So I can understand it. But for me, I don't think... I feel like the two that we've got on loan will be here next season. Um, Sparrow, not so confident about that, but we'll see. Um, and then with Jokeresh, I think, I mean, I said in the group chat yesterday, didn't I, that he would be perfect for Borough because he's he's very good in his all-round play. But Coventry fans have said this a few times, that his finishing could do with some work. And he did have a chance uh, yesterday against Derby where he went through on goal. He did everything right, like literally everything right. He got through on goal one-on-one with the keeper and then the finish was so bad. It was really bad. It went straight into, I think it ended up in Nottingham, to be honest. It was that bad. And then um, I was kind of thinking, yeah, sign him. <laughs> He's perfect. It's, you know, the, the build-up's brilliant. And then the final bit probably isn't great. I mean, to be fair, we, sh- we shouldn't discount that he's got double figures in goals this season. So that's more than what we've got. So, yeah, I mean, he was brilliant against us at the Riverside. We just need a finisher, to be honest. We really do. We need somebody that I think can run in behind, that can run the channels. Someone with a decent touch as well, because what you'll see with Boris Strikers is they'll drop deep to receive, but then the touch is so off that it basically takes them into our own mm. defensive third or we lose the ball because of it. We need somebody with like a, a nice little pillow touch to just be able to, to take it, trap it in, set the ball and then get us going. We don't really have that at the moment. Um, for all Balogun's technical ability, I don't think his touch is particularly great when he is receiving it. Um, somebody said he, he can't trap a bag of sand, which was quite funny uh, after, the, after the Barnsley game. But um I kind of see that there's some truth to it. But yeah, we need a we need a finisher to be honest. It goes without saying we just struggle to really convert chances. Okay then. Um the next question um is from Josh. Um and he says, Does McGree um have to come in the midfield once he's fit again? And the Peterborough game is when he's expected to return. Um we're way way too predictable at times. So Tom, does Josh, uh does does Ryan McGree deserve to come back in the midfield once he's fit again? I don't think he does. I don't think the midfield's the problem, to be honest. Um, you know, I mean, even Tuchel was saying in his in his interview, he was trying to kind of nullify House, and I think Tav's been playing great, and, you know, Crooks, you can't take him out because of that link-up that we've got with uh, Dykesteel and Jones on the right-hand side. I think the, the issue is kind of just being a bit too unbalanced with... Um, with our attacking, um, you know, creation. Uh, I don't think we've got too much on the left. Um, nothing against Taylor because I think he's doing a good job defensively um, and, and he, he clearly kind of reads the game well and everything. It's just we don't have the same uh, as Jones on the on the left-hand side. Uh, so we are a bit too kind of one-dimensional there. People know that we want to use Jones and they can get people back in the box to, to try and defend this. Um so I, I I don't think it's it's the midfield that's the issue in, in in terms of being predictable. I think it's a a whole team thing where people know we're going to utilize Jones. Okay, well this leads quite nicely to the next the la- the last question of the day. Um, it's from Charlie, and he says after Tuchel's interview about their tactics, does this emphasize we need an attacking left wing back for the balance? Um, do you think Baller could be that attacking threat, Danny? You've said about him potentially moving into. Uh, a left centre back role, and we've mentioned on the previous podcast that could be a, a good fit for him. Um, but do you think Borough should look to to try and balance that attacking throughout on that left hand side? 
Yes. Yeah, yeah, I do, to be honest. I think there are question marks over Matt Baller still, but we won't find the answers to that really until he fully gets back into the swing of things. I do think that his long injury layoff is showing in his game at the moment. As Tom mentioned, that nice little play from, from Bamba was followed by just a kind of light, loose touch from Baller that he basically didn't really trap the ball, did he? he? He didn't really get his foot on it and it went straight out of play for a throw-in, which was quite frustrating, but it pretty much sums up Bowler at the moment. We just need to give him a little bit more time to get back into the swing of things. But yeah, I do think that we need to maybe balance it out. I mean, how amazing is that for Isaiah Jones, by the way, coming from Tooting and Mitchum and then having Thomas Tuchel try to adapt his whole Chelsea team, the, the, the you know um, champions of, of Europe, champions, uh, champions of the world, Trying to deal with with little Lizzie from uh, from Tottenham Mitchum, I think that's brilliant. Um, but yeah, um, I, I do think we need a little bit more on that left hand side. Little Lizzie from Tottenham, <laughs> Jesus Christ, that's that, well, that's gonna stick. That's gonna stick, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> right. Okay, then let's let's move on. And just before I move on, I just want to say that uh, if you want to submit a question to us, you can do it via Twitter on our uh, on Twitter at the Bor underscore breakdown. Or join our Telegram chat. Um, it's got 145 members at the moment. Um, constantly growing. Um, you can submit a question on there. And the board breakdown at hotmail.com if you want to do it via email. So let's talk about Birmingham. Um, because boring you a win at uh, St. Andrews would see them return to the playoff places for 24 hours. And of course, after the games on Saturday, Borough have dropped down to eighth place in the championship table. Two points off the playoff places, but they do have a game in hand. Uh, Dana, a 2-0 win. Connolly and Balogun scoring. I mean, questionably on Connolly, it was technically an own goal, but we'll give it to Connolly. It was we'll an own goal, but yeah. <laughs> we'll give him it for the confidence. Um, but how would you assess that performance? Because it seemed to be a, a little bit better. Yeah, I thought it was. I thought we were good value for the win. I mean, there are a few people on our Telegram chat at halftime that were maybe a little bit disappointed in the way that we were playing. But I thought, I mean, I can understand that we did let up a few opportunities for Birmingham. And I say opportunities, they weren't really chances as such. It was just, I suppose, openings more than anything. But I thought we grew into the the half. And then when we got the goal, I thought it was pretty comfortable from there on in, to be honest. And Birmingham offered pretty much nothing. They were toothless throughout the entirety of the game, epitomised, of course, by what Tom said, that chance for Paddy McNair, where he just, he just cut through the entirety of that Birmingham team. And I thought, that was a bit sus. But um, second half, I thought when we got that second goal, it was just it was really comfortable for us, to be honest. And um, yeah, we were well well worth the the three points, I thought. Okay, then, um, Tom, you, although it was, a, like I think Dana said, it was a bit more impressive, a bit more comfortable win for War. Um, were you surprised a little bit of how poor Birmingham were at times? I think, Danny, you said it um, as well about them being quite lifeless um, at times on, on Twitter. Um, but, Tom, were you surprised at all about Birmingham? Not really, but it, it's literally only because I've got a client at work who's a Birmingham fan, and I was talking to them the week before, and they were just like, no, nah, we're terrible. You're going to win. So I was like, oh, okay. But when that came, kind of expecting that. But um, I don't want that kind of like, discount from from what Borough did um, because I think after the Sheffield United game 
there was definitely a change. You, you could see it in the attitude mentality of the of the players against Millwall and against Birmingham, where we seem to be a lot more focused. We seem to be doing doing our jobs uh, a lot better, um, and and we did that. We executed it well against Birmingham uh, and got the the two nil win. Finally, broke that uh, a weird uh, hoodoo thing, but um, yeah. I, I just I, I did think we we played well that game. Uh, the challenge now was going to be to kind of carry that over to Peterborough in a couple of weeks. Yeah, and it's good client relationship management there, Tom. So, uh, not digging too much into Birmingham, but Dana, I'm going to give you the opportunity <laughs> to destroy the relationship here. Um, do you think that Birmingham are, are a bit lifeless? Do you think that the the kind of just through them in the motion at the moment? They're lucky that there's probably three or four worst teams in them this season. I think Gab said that, didn't he, in his um, yeah. in his preview last week. I mean, I went a little bit stronger than lifeless. I did say pathetic. I, I do think they were. Uh, I think they, they just, it was the lack of press, I think. The lack of press when you would expect press to be made. You know, when Paddy Wittner just glides through the entirety of their, their defensive midfield and attack, it was just, there was nothing really there from them. And I think they're a team that are probably going through it a little bit, as you said, and the management, ownership, faceless people that are, that are running the club. It just seems quite problematic at the moment. And you saw the, the it honestly looked like it was in lockdown, that Birmingham was in lockdown because of the stadium situation. Now, they have the bottom tiers are closed for some reason. I'm not 100% clued up on it or sure about it, but it was only the, the top tiers that were. just seems like another club amongst many in the championship, actually, that are kind of slipping away a little bit. Mm. And there's a lot of, of apathy that from the stands. And it's, it is it is sad to see, to be honest. Even, even Derby, in fairness, as much as I hate them, this is part of a bigger problem in the EFL where... I think we're losing clubs, to be honest. And I feel like Birmingham are, are potentially one of those if they don't choose their ownership. Mm, I think I think you spot on uh, there on around like the lifeless side of things. And it's difficult, isn't it? Like it's 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 a really difficult league, and especially if you don't have success within one or two seasons and you overinvest, it's a very, very difficult uh division um to get yourself out of. Um the only way you're probably gonna get out of it is probably get relegated. Um because mm. <laughs> If, yeah. if you are investing and you're on that wave, it's sort of difficult to get to that playoff places. Um, although they're a bit lifeless off the pitch, uh, like off the pitch, on the pitch, they're a very direct side, but didn't seem to. It's kind of felt like we were watching Warnock ball a little bit. There was no substance to, to anything, was there? So how how were we able to like nullify that? Well, I suppose when you're playing against teams that are direct like that the second balls are really important, aren't they? Because not many target men in the championship are going to be of the quality to take a ball from the air and bring it down and then do it all themselves. They're going to bring others into play. So I think when you have that initial contact of a ball sort of down the line or a ball upfield, you need to be able to to kind of win those scrappy duels um, in the second phases. And I think the board did that. Um, it was a, a battle between McNair and, and uh, Jukovic quite physically and I thought he did well there um, but yeah it's all about the midfield battle I think and, and we won it I mean Craig Gardner might as well have been joining his brother in the director box because he was terrible on um, on Tuesday night um, I really don't know what was going on there with with him but yeah um, midfield battle quite important in, in games like that I think Okay then, and then Tom let's talk about the front two 
uh, fairly quickly because a lot is said about Boris Run 2. We've already talked about it today on the, on the podcast um, and it's going to probably be a continuing conversation until the end of the season and beyond. Uh, but it was a night where Connolly and Balogun both shone. Um, but what stood out for you about their performances? I, it's like I said earlier, I just think their mentality changed after the uh, Sheffield United game. I think it started last week against Millwall. I, I did think they pressed well and they were able to do a lot more with the ball at the feet and, and kind of like drive at the defence a lot more. And they did the same against Birmingham as well. They're starting to really kind of show what technically they're, they're all about. You know, there was... Um, one of my mates after the match yesterday was kind of slagging them both off and, and saying, oh, Balogun and Connolly are both terrible. Like, why have we even got them and stuff? I was like, are you, do you even watch football? Like, you can't judge them for, like, what they've been do- doing against a world-class defence in Chelsea. Um, I hope not listening to this podcast. <laughs> I don't really mind. Um, <laughs> Tom like, is not asked. <laughs> no, no. It, it's a stupid opinion, so... <laughs> uh, but... <laughs> um, yeah, so I, I think that the, the Millwall game and the Birmingham game that really start to show what they're kind of all about in terms of their their technical ability and start to look a lot more confident in terms of like getting at the defense. So um, you know, hope, hopefully they didn't kind of feel too downbeat after after Chelsea yesterday. They got no reason to. Um, I, I still think they're probably going to start against Peterborough, and I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing what they can do in the the last nine games of the season. What I don't understand with Connolly, and it's not a fault of his at all, I don't understand why we're blasting balls up to him. He's he's five foot eight. A lot of the time you see him try to take the ball in the air, and meanwhile you've got a defender marking him whose feet are, flat, are planted firmly on the floor. They're just able to sneak in and take the ball off him or knock him off balance. It's really difficult for him to be able to take in the service that we're giving him, and I'm not really sure why we're just blasting balls up to him, to be honest. It makes zero sense in terms of the type of player that he is, the the stature of him, the height. It's just not his it's not his game, and I'm a little bit confused at that. I thought it was, that's what you meant to do when strikers are about five foot four, aren't they? Uh, isn't that what you meant to do? <laughs> um but but no, then I'd agree I agree with you. I think it's 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 strange that we're trying to play a long ball in in Connolly. Maybe that's where you see the likes of of Josh coming, um, where he's he's gonna get in the ball into feet and try and play off to uh, Connolly or Balligan or what more. And you might be able to see that come 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 to fruition, but don't get one dimensional with these balls into into Connolly or uh, Josh, because that's kind of comes lifeless and also very readable. You can kind of put them in, like you were saying there, then about the long ball teams and winning those second balls. It's very easy to to manage at times. It's got to be inch perfect probably most of the time. Um, but I think if we have that outlet, then maybe then we could look to do that. But yeah, it's a bit strange um, putting those balls in Connolly. But just just to kind of add on to that, like I, I do think he he puts in a lot of effort to to hold that up, and you can see he does have yeah, a bit about him being able to do that. It's just you don't do that in the air. You put it into his feet in that case. Like he, yeah. He, it, it's kind of similar to Uchi, other than you know, there's there's about six inches difference in height. But uh, <laughs> um, you know, Uche is not wasn't the type of striker who was going to win a lot in the air and and bring it down. He needed it at the feet to hold up. And mm-hmm. I, I I'm not describing Connolly as a hold up striker at all, but. He's he's definitely got that kind of ability to put himself around and and hold the ball up if it is into his feet. Um, and I'm, I'm confused as to why we just hoof it over his head. 
Well, I'm confused as well because from from his time at Brighton, he's somebody that runs down that left hand channel, cuts inside, and has a shot. We saw it in one of his first games against Reading where he did exactly that. And as you see, we players at the moment every time they cut in I swear apart from when Balogun's caught the other day nine times out of ten it just ends up in Rosette but that's what I've sort of seen of Balogun pre-Borough and whilst he's been at, at Brighton running the channels and it mm. seems like our strikers are just coming deep now and maybe that's because it's the the wing backs that are running the channels and being the outlet in behind but I don't understand why we aren't doing it with the strikers because the strikers that we've got surely suit trying to to kind of thread those balls through and behind the defense but hey i don't know we've said before i mean like the the two center forwards and Connolly and Balogun are probably more suited to be wide forwards and cutting like we've like you've both said there um but they're playing like a different system at the moment but i think a lot overall i think i help them develop their own personal games anyway um but i want to try about Balogun in his second goal because it's a really nice goal um to, to break down and it can show that off the ball movement um, even in its simplest form uh, compared to dividends at the highest level. And I want to start it off where, like, just stand off at the throw. Howson receives it. He gets the ball down the line, drives, um, he drives on. But so does Dykesdale and Jones, and it causes, like, an overload uh, on that right-hand side. And you see Howson pick up a nice little pocket of space um, with the defenders. And I appreciate you could do it if you want to be really, really picky on this defence here. Um, and I think it's a bit unfair as the, as the move develops, but obviously the central material who's looking towards Dykesdale, if he's flipped on the other side to where Housen is, um, this probably move doesn't really continue to to develop as it, as it should, but it does. Um, with with Housen moving that lovely little pocket of space, um, I want to highlight Dykesdale um, in this next passage because he continues his run um, and gets it round. And what you'll see is the central midfielder, just in between the centre-halves and Connolly, um, he starts to come from a more central position uh, in in the back one uh, to essentially move towards Dykesdale. And it pulls him right across and it creates a lovely bit of space uh, for Tav to receive the ball from Johnny Housen. And also, I just want to give a quick shout out to Aaron Connolly. And, and if you, people are watching on YouTube, you'll be able to see this. But in terms of the audio version, Connolly's position there, lovely little bit of side on. It's exactly what you want from your centre forward because if Dykesdale does receive that ball, which could have been just a nice outside the foot from Housen, or we're in, it could be he's, he's already got that half a yard on the defenders um, when you're looking at their weight distribution. And I think we could probably score from that angle as well, but we don't. Uh, we continue to develop the player. Housing gives the ball to Tav, and Tav does a really nice one-touch ball here, um, and then does something so simple and so effortless. He follows the ball and follows his pass, but then also you just see out of absolutely nowhere, you see like a, a horse coming from Cheltenham, who's from fourth <laughs> to first, um, in Neil Taylor, and he absolutely darts down that left-hand side. And what it causes is that there's three central defenders on the edge of the box where Balogun is when he receives the ball. And it's a minor, minor thing, but it makes such a big difference. And it's only that 1%, and it's that one-second difference where it, sh- it it helps shift all of their weight onto their, onto their right-hand side um, because they could potentially expect that ball to be that reverse pass from Balogun to either Tav or, or Neil Taylor, and Borough can get down the line again. Um, but it doesn't. With them shifting the weight on the right foot, it creates a nice little pocket of space for Balogun here. And Balogun can only hit this one place. I mean, it's that little gap where he finds himself in. Um, and he finds it, off, of course, in right in the top bins. And it's a wonderful, wonderful strike. Really good technique as well. And he bends around the keeper at a good angle. If you're looking at the goalkeeper there, 
if you really, really, really want to be picky, and I don't think you should be, he could move over to, to his left-hand side just slightly. Um, he might have a better chance. But overall, I think it's a really, really good goal from Borough and shows that off-the-ball movement is just as important than on-the-ball movement itself. And Borough just doing those little finer details and little moments, those little those little... One percent difference. It makes such a massive difference in football, and like we've seen yesterday, and like we've seen today uh, with this goal here, um, it's it's just that just that creating a bit of space when you're on and off the ball can just pay dividends and create bigger chances for the team. But overall, I'm really impressed by this goal. Shows good movement from Borough, um, and, a, and a really good win uh, to to round it off. Um, but Dana, we spoke a lot about Borough's waveform and how poor it is, and it's how important it is to probably pick up two points a game uh, across the season, um, because you'll probably be up there towards the end of it. Um, but do you think that was kind of a marker to say, right, okay, we've won against Birmingham. Yes, they weren't as good as probably the other teams we've going to play probably for a minute of the season, but it's a marker, and we can do more of it in future games. Yeah, 100%. It gets a bit of a burden off our shoulders, if you like, because I'm sure the players will have been aware of Borough's away form and I guess what's been undone on the road, really, because our home form is is fantastic. We still have that league um, consistency, the, the wins. Mm. I know Chelsea obviously beat us, so in all competitions, it's it, it's gone, but we can still hold on to that and cling on to that in the league in terms of consecutive victories. It's just the flip side of it, our home form. As, as I said on the podcast last um, last week, it was below the, the league average. So it's good that we've got that up a little bit and that we've obviously got that win. Um, I just hope that we have we can garner some consistency now because obviously we, we've mm. got Peterborough next. Um, our next away game after that, does anyone know what it is? Is it Bournemouth? I, <laughs> I hate uh... playing Bournemouth. Can we just can play in Bournemouth? They always put us against Bournemouth towards the end of the season. And I'm telling you now, they do it because they want us to fail. That the EFL Bournemouth. are corrupt. <laughs> yeah, Bournemouth. So that's that's really tough. Um, yeah, I'll, I've got a stat for that Bournemouth game. I'm going to save it for the pre-Bournemouth um, podcast. It's not a good one. Let me just say that. I might reverse psychology it and do the the the, the curse stat. The day, the but it, yeah, but in favour of us. But uh, yeah, we need to we need to gather some consistency now because there's no point in in beating Birmingham if we we get beat by Peterborough. You know, we need to add that consistency because if we can't get that consistency, we won't be in the top six come the end of the season. Okay, then. Um, well, let's move into like, the final questions then. And I will return to Shithouse Island, um, the island where we find the biggest shithouses across Middlesbrough um, Football Club and put them on an island and see how they do. Um, so th- we had <laughs> a, quite a few people message us this week uh, about the interaction between Riley McGree and Aaron Connolly on Instagram. Uh, it's about con- they're taking the piss out of each other's injuries and height of fair, fair play, but... Does it deserve a place on the islands? Um, give you both an opinion on this because if I'm honest, I'm questioning it. I'm questioning it. Um, Tom, what do you think? No, I, I think we need to set a higher bar for uh, for shit. I was mm-hmm. islands. I don't think uh, a bit of banter on on Instagram is kind of up there with with some of the uh, the stuff that's been accomplished to to get on that island in the first place. So, uh, firstly, I wouldn't give them uh, a place on the island. No place uh, for Connolly and Ryan McGree. Uh, for Tom then, and then Dana, what do you think? Group yeah, decision. Not, 
Not for me, Clive, only because I'll have to start putting people in the sea, um, <laughs> in the Shithouse Island graphic. But we've got some good, um, we've got some good things going on there. We've got the Borough fans doing Ronaldo's celebration, quite ironically. You've got Willow flood with a pint. Um, yeah, we've got some good ones going on there, but I think we need to set the bar a little bit higher now, so not for me. Okay, you could probably next time we put someone on, I think we could probably put them in a rubber dinghy or something in the middle of the <laughs> yeah, sea. We'll be in a <laughs> uh, But yeah, I agree, guys. Uh, decision made, not on the on the island. Um, but final question of the day, and I want to move it in the present place because it's our place where we give praise to anyone at the club um, for something that this could be good. Um, Tom, do you want to go first? Who is your person? in the present place this week. I feel like I'm getting to the point now where I'm talking about him more than Dana, which is saying something, but Tav, again, like there, there was um, <laughs> there, there was a point. Tav just gets a lifelong membership. <laughs> is, that, is that how it is now, is it? Pretty much, yeah, but there was a point in the first half yesterday. I, I can't remember who was marking him. I think it might have been Loftus-Cheek. Uh, but he had his, his back to the goal just near the halfway line. He was holding the ball up and he somehow manages to hold him off, do a 180 degree turn and then drive at the defence. And and uh, <laughs> I can't remember who we passed it off to, but that was just, it was so good. And if we'd have been having this conversation about Tavs last year, you wouldn't have said his strength is, is one of his well, one of his strengths. But um, <laughs> he, he's definitely shown it at the moment with his... Uh, with his move into centre midfield. And honestly, that, that for me was just like, it, it was incredible how we did it. And you, you can see how much his game's developed, I think, under uh, under Wilder. Okay, then a tab for you. Dana, who are you going to go it's, for? It's funny with Tav, actually, because my friend Lewis messaged uh, messaged the, the Pots Journalism group chat and said, found Tav, and it was just a Duracell battery, um, which I found quite <laughs> funny. Um, but yeah, he's, he's non-stop, isn't he? But... <laughs> No, mine, it, it's funny because um, I'm going to move on to another favourite of mine. I have to say Anthony Dykesteel. I think he's mm. bloody brilliant. I really do. I think he's a very clever defender and he's so good in his recoveries. He saw that goal line clearance yesterday. Just the, I don't know, the awareness to just know that to be there in the right place at the right time. He's just brilliant in the way that he defends, the way that he reads the game. I think he's he's just got a very good ability to to get back to recover the sort of uh, the recovery pace, the mm. knowing how he used his body cleverly, cleverly as well. Since he's come back into the team after illness, I thought he's he's been brilliant. To be honest, he is one of our most important players, not just in terms of defensively but offensively as well. He sets the, I guess, the platform for the likes of Crooks and uh, and Jones, but he's also on that platform himself because we have seen his part to play in those in those little triangle moves and I think he's a very very good defender um few people saying that he's the weak spot in this defense I really strongly disagree I think Anthony Dykesteel is a very very underrated defender and he's not turned out to be a he's turned out to be a decent signing hasn't he I remember when he when he was out injured we were sort of saying you know what we've wasted money on him this that and the other but ever since he's come back I remember that game against Reading that marked his return. He's just been imperious, really. He's, he's pretty pretty much unflappable. Um, and yeah, I think I'm gonna. My Netherlands flag is is down there. I can't quite get it. It's behind Patrick, but um, yeah, definitely be holding that aloft if I could get that out. 
Yeah, you aren't holding someone called Patrick Ransom, Dan. It, it, it is Patrick from SpongeBob. Just it's need to clarify from SpongeBob, that. Yes. Just need to clarify <laughs> that. Um, for people that are listening to the podcast, thinking, why is Dana <laughs> holding someone called Patrick Ransom uh, next to an Evelyn's flag? Um, but yeah, your bike steel, I'd do anything for you. It's getting his spot, Dana. Tab for you, Tom. I'm going to go with Solar Bamber, I think. Just. The run, the FA Cup run, his performance yesterday, everything that's happened over the last 12 to 18 months. I just think, yeah, you know what? You'll do for me, Sol. Um, you'll do for me. Um, but yeah, Andy Dykesteel, fantastic. Then I feel like I'm a broken record. What Tav is to you, Dykesteel's to me. Um, and Joel and Lisa, Tom. Um, just, uh, <laughs> sorry, Tom. Uh, I know you're I'm only joking. Um, but yeah, I just, I think, I just think Dykesteel's fantastic. I really, really do. Unbelievable. Um, but yeah, Solbamba gets my, my mention this week. I just think, like I said there, everything that he's been through with the performance he put in yesterday, his leadership off the pitch, I think it's just absolutely brilliant. Um, I'm, guys, sensing, I'm sensing that we might have to end this podcast with our Dykesdale song. <laughs> because I'm not singing it. I'm not singing it. Not a chance. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this uh, one isn't gin, unfortunately, nor is it Sprite, actually. So need a few more of those to be singing that. Oh, absolutely. Because uh, you're gorgeous. I'll do anything for you if oh, you thanks. want. There you go. Uh, there you go, Dana. Uh, just don't tell us. <laughs> um, well, that's it, guys. Thank you very much uh, for for joining me, as always. And, and the listeners, thank you very much uh, for joining us as well. And thank you for giving us all 400 ratings, uh, five star on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. That does help us get found and charted by other Borough fans. And we really do appreciate every comment you give us as well. But that's it. The FA Cup dream is over, but there's plenty to be proud of, and the running has got nine games to go. Um, this is the Bora Breakdown podcast, and that was why a Bora Match Day chatter in our pods. Up the Bora Breakdown. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.